you like mysteries? Do you like the things that go bump in the night? Do you want to hear about historical figures like Shakespeare, Amelia Eckhart, and maybe Pigman themselves? You need to check out Death by Monsters, a podcast, and you definitely don't want to check what's tapping on your window. <coughs> another episode of we're not wizards my name's richard i'll be your host for february yeah the new year's passed now sometimes at the beginning of a new year you might decide to make new life goals you might decide to take up new interests and hobbies in your life for many people it is reassessing what they are doing in their hobbies and in their pastimes just now. Some people might decide to take up a new pastime. Fitness is usually a popular thing. Some people decide to give up alcohol. Other people decide to take on not eating anything with a face or veganism, as it's also known. Other people, what they like to do is they like to take a glass tank, take wild animals that should be swimming in 42 square miles of water and condensing them into something which is only six foot long. But I thought, I need to speak to somebody about this. I need to speak to somebody about how you take some fish and you condense them, not only to a small tank, but maybe into cardboard. I need somebody who's going to help me win. I need somebody who's going to help me smith. I need Travis and David from Winsmith Games, who are going to talk me through all about 10-gallon tank. So, hello, gentlemen. How are we doing? Hey, Richard. Doing well. I'm so glad. I'm so delighted. Do you know what I've realized? Is that you're just going to have to figure out between yourselves when you talk. We're in three separate areas. This is either going to work extremely well or it's going to work extremely badly. But you know what? The joy is in finding out. So um, I'm looking at the campaign just now. You have got a time of recording. You've got over two weeks to go. And you are you're pretty close to funding. Um, so right. Travis, if I come to yourself... What's mood like in camp at the moment? Oh, we are very happy. Um, I mean, this is our first Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've come a long way from when we first uh, joined up together. And so to see it do so well in the first two weeks has been um, really, really encouraging. Um, so we're looking forward to get to that goal and then pushing past that before the end of the campaign. And is this the the first game that you guys have worked on kind of like together then or uh, so we ha- we've ha- worked on a couple other games, and um, our, our journey has been. Um, Dave and I have known each other since sixth grade, so we um, wow. we we've grown up together and went to college together and live in the same area, and our families uh, meet a lot. So Dave and I have a long history, but um, we we started with some other games, and this is the one we we've ultimately settled on as our first campaign. Um, so we we've done a couple other bigger ones, but this is the one that we feel um, the most confidence in getting funded. Um, having a low risk, you know, production and fulfillment strategy and, and getting our, our names out there for a first campaign. Um, when you were growing up together then, David, did you play yep. the Dungeons and Dragons together or is it just that you hung around an awful lot? Do you remember the first day that you met your sixth grade? Uh, oh, first so day? Snotty nose kid came in and you were just like that. <laughs> I'm gonna, was a, probably the I'm gonna make a board game with that boy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I remember the first day. No, um, we did. We had a. There was a group of us, probably like five or six uh, kids. We played a lot of D and D. We played a lot of Pokemon, uh, trading card game, Magic. Uh, man, I even remember Travis 
in your all's backyard, we would have like the plastic lightsaber like duel fights. Wow. Uh, so yeah, we I don't had- remember any plastic lightsaber duel fights, Dave. I have my integrity to protect. <laughs> I bet you made noises, Travis. You're the type of, course, of person. Of course, you had to hum. It wasn't real if you didn't hum. <laughs> you had to be. Zoom, zoom, zoom. <laughs> who was okay? Who was the good guys and who was the bad guys? Then who preferred to be? Because there was the Star Wars Empire <clears throat> kind of jump, where people moved from wanting to be kind of like Han Solo and Luke Skywalker to people kind of going, actually, Darth Vader, he's pretty badass, and that Boba Fett, he's pretty cool as well. <laughs> kind of thing so were you the good guy or the bad guy travis richard you must have never um played star wars with friends because we you always fight the invisible bad guys <laughs> i was yeah i i don't know i mean you know um we had there was lots of kids at our school and we just you know we Hit divided them. them up into both sides i mean you know that's that kind of had to be um David, is Travis lying, and was he always the person that was forced to be either CP, C3PO or maybe, um, you know, because that was it. If you, you know, when you used to get the kids, you used to get the posh kids that used to come around, and they used to have all the figures. Yeah. And then it was like, they would go, I'm going to be Han Solo, I'm going to be Han Solo, and then they would give their friend kind of like Luke Skywalker. And then it was like divided. Here's Darth Vader. Here's Ben Kenobi. Here's R two D two. And at the end, you know, kind of kids being kids, uh, be like, you can have C three PO. And it's like, well, what does he do? And he goes, he does nothing. And you can be Princess Leia. And it was just like, I don't know how to agree with that. So, <laughs> is Travis blocking this out of his memory because he ended up being C three PO in this scenario? More so R two D two. Because yeah, R2-D2 was the, the key character in the whole Star Wars series. Just saying. He'd have to he roll just... up into a ball and we'd just push him around. <laughs> you stick him in a trash can. <laughs> and just like wheeled him about. Make some noises, Travis, or we'll hit the bin again. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> do, 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 do. That was rubbish. You get a torch, you could poke a little kind of hole in the side of the trash can and then poke, <laughs> poke a torch through and go, help me, Obi-Wan, can you be on your hip? kind of thing you can do that obviously not in kind of like a cartman type voice but you know it kind of worked <laughs> um this is obviously a friendship that's been forged in years so did you find yourselves kind of staying within the same kind of interests as you kind of grew up you mentioned kind of like D D. so were you quite kind of like board gamey type indoorsy type focused or did you get kicked out by your kind of your parents to go play outside and stop avoiding the sunlight kind of thing. I I think it was a bit of both. I mean, it was more so I was forced and kicked outside when I was at home, you know, with my brothers. But mm-hmm. at our friend's house, we would do really late night video game sessions. Uh, we would play a lot of D&D, Magic mm-hmm. the Gathering. Um, we're super into that. And the Pokemon card game, you know, our local like comic shop would have like gym like battles where you bring a deck and play. So... We would, it was a lot of video games and a lot of like card games. Did you, and did that, when did you get around to talking and saying actually let's do something together? Or were you kind of making up? Because I know a lot of friends that like, once you get bored of making like playing Pokemon, you end up kind of, I'm going to make my own Pokemon. You know, this is set a trap to Hyperdon and he's got, you know, 500 health and, you know, he just looks at you and you get knocked out kind of thing. Did you go down that line of making up your kind of your own Pokemon then? I was going to turn that over to Dave because Dave is the one who um he would always uh, create like back of the napkin games with him and his brothers. So Dave yeah. would always be making up all kinds of games and all saying, right. or, hey, we can play this game this way or so. Yeah, so the, uh, even right now, like I'm more of the the guy designing the games and doing most of the development and Travis kind of helps and more so plays devil's advocate. But yeah, as a kid, um, even like when we played magic, the gathering, honestly, my favorite thing to do was just to design decks and try and find cool combos or cards that were kind of off the beaten path, like make a deck around, around them, see what interesting things you could do. 
Uh, as Trav mentioned, yeah, I, me and my brothers, we designed games. We played games, made up our own like rules for like action figure wars and stuff like that. So, hmm. uh, but there were times even, I mean, we would have like fun, like act, you know, gaming sessions at like Trav's house as a kid, you know, with lightsabers and, so we got into that some, but it was more so just like playing other games and we would find our creative outlets within like existing game systems, like designing Pokemon decks and like testing those things out. Yeah. So did you um, then continue? Did you go to college at the same place? Did you go and study the same place then? Or did you, you know, was there any time that you weren't kind of like hanging around together then, Travis? Not really. Um, like I said, we went to the, we lived in the same uh, town, went to the same school. Um, a, a number of us who we, I would say my core group of half a dozen friends are people that I met in middle school. Um, so we've wow. all stayed in the same general area. A few of us moved away, but we all try and get together, you know, once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. Dave and I though have been pretty much in the same area since, or, you know, together, uh, both at college and then moving up to Northern Virginia, there's a lot of like jobs, obviously in the, in the DC area. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We studied the same um, discipline, well, same major, but different disciplines. So Dave and I are both engineers. Um, I, I studied more of the industrial like business and finance type of engineering. Dave did uh-huh. more of the civil engineering. So um, All right. our jobs are different, very different, um, but in the same sort of field. So you, you would tell them how much something costs. Absolutely. <laughs> and Dave would say, but yeah, but can I not just build an extra couple of towers here? Because that would be really cool. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's translated yeah. into into gaming as well. When Dave says, I want to add this and this and this, I said, all right, well, that's going to cost this, this and this. Is that, is that work quite well then? I mean, having that kind of ability to kind of bounce off each other when you decided, because I take there was a point when you said, actually, let's do something with this and actually start to put a game kind of together. So is it, was it always, was it as soon as, you know, Dave said, I'm thinking about making it and you just went, I'm in. There was no, yeah, <laughs> it was kind of like of- that. And, um, it, it goes kind of back to both of us at, at, like I said, we're in the same field, but different disciplines. We both mm-hmm. at the same time have said, I would like to be a business owner. I'd like to start my own business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but in the fields we're in, there's a lot of like defense contractors and really big firms and all kinds of stuff. And there's a lot of competition. It's really hard to get into that type of market and own your own business. It's really difficult. Yeah. Um, and so this ended up being a good medium, um, doing something that we both love and kind of fulfilling that dream as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, when, when it was, when it was, Hey, I've, I've designed some games, you know, maybe it's something we could publish. Of course I was like, Hey, I'm in, if you want, if you need a partner, I'm in. Yeah. And is it Dave? Do you do most of the game design, or do you kind of bring fifty-fifty to the table, and then you tell Travis what are you doing? You can't make that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's more of how it is. Um, yeah, I, I'm mostly the the game designer, the game, and honestly, a lot of the game development as well. But yeah. Travis, I bounce all ideas off him. I prepare a prototype. We get him to the table. And he's the one to say, you know, this is garbage or like, this is what I like, you know, fix this. Um, or like, hey, what about, you know, this mechanic or this one? Because we're both gamers. We both play a lot of board games. We both have a lot of board games. And so we both know games a decent amount. So like, you know, well enough that we're both kind of vested in the hobby and, you know, like the hobby about the same amount. But in terms of the creative design, yeah, that's that's mainly me but um and so he's kind of like if i had to give us like a title or something like i'd be more of the creative lead and he's more of the uh business lead okay does that make sense yeah no absolutely as i say sometimes when you've got two creative leads what i see in i mean speaking to as many kick kind of people doing Kickstarters as I have, that sometimes the business side of things comes as arrives as a bit of a shock. Right. That then there's all of a sudden somebody's got to sit down and do the maths on how we actually ship this out to people or how much, you know, one of us one of us needs to get the quotes. We both can't be working on kind of like the mechanics of the game. So having I guess someone like yourself, Travis, is gonna be 
doubly helpful because I'm guessing you were already thinking, well, how do we get this down to kind of like, um, how do we get this down to 20 cards and still making it work instead of having the 25, which I know is going to kind of kind of cost a little bit of um, money. Um, you you mentioned you play games together. So are your collections completely different from each other's or is there is there a shelf where you've just got, you've both got exactly the same games. You're kind of like almost psychically linked with the games that you have <laughs> and you could actually save money if you decided you didn't want separate copies. That's actually funny game. because um, we, we have pretty much uh, diametrically opposed game shelves, um, which is kind of funny. Right. Uh, so Dave is very into the, the heavier fantasy dungeon crawler type of games Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that, you know, you'll sit down with a group of like four people or so and play, um, yeah. like pandemic legacy, those games. Um, I've sort of, I, I've have a couple of those games, but I, I tend to like the, um, social deduction games, political yeah. based games where you have hidden roles and you're, you know, in a social setting. And that just tends to be more of the groups that I get together, um, at my house. And when we do a game night, my game nights usually invite everybody and then mm-hmm. a, a number of people show up. And so we don't really have. Mm-hmm. We, we don't really have many options in terms of heavy games that 10 people can play. So my collection sort of steered to that as well as, you know, games that I know my wife would enjoy because um, mostly both of us have kids. So most of us, we, most of the time we play with, you know, our significant others or, um, but they, you know, I've, I've, I enjoy those longer games and I have, I do have a couple um, twilight struggles, probably my favorite game in the whole world. And that's like a three or four hour game. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Dave is much more into like the fantasy dungeon crawler, tower defense, that type of thing. So you're a Gloomhaven type boy then, David? Oh, gosh. You know, my first design was like this, like crazy, <laughs> way too like difficult, like fantasy game. And growing up, some of my favorite video games were the Final Fantasy series. So when I kind of got that game design bug, it was like, oh, man, like I'm going to design the coolest, deepest, you know, dungeon crawler with like this unfolding story and you unlock new heroes and you get new content as the game progresses. And then I played Gloomhaven and I was like, wow, this is way better than the game I was working on. (laughs) It's just like, guess I'll die. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of thing. Yeah, and it's like, okay, well, we'll just put that back in the fridge again and then yeah. just forget that we ever kind of even had that kind of thing. But that's really difficult because I see, again, it's like you see this. The, the, there's a similar story that comes up, which is, yes, I have got my big box game and I am just going to go out and do it. And like Isaac Childress, that's what he did. I mean, he made Forge War, which is still a reasonably heavy, crunchy type game and then straight afterwards he's in kind of like making Gloomhaven and folk are just going you can't do that Isaac it's never going to work and of course and he's like going um, yes I can and he you know he obviously kind of went ahead and did but normally yeah. a lot of folk will say well, I'm going to strip it back and I'm just going to do like the, the second or, or kind of third design so how many designs did you go through before you decided to kind of settle on 10 gallon tank? Um, I've got 18 designs in my, um, on my, you know, Google drive shelf. Um, and they're all in some degree of prototype even. Um, so I've got 18 designs and let's see, Trav, that dungeon crawler is called, uh, the King's Legion. That was first, but then, I don't know. We probably went through like seven or eight games together before we kind of fell or started really working on 10 gallon tank at all. And it actually started as a different theme. And um, that one actually played for a while. And then we kind of split it up into two separate games. And uh, the first game was like this iron chef uh, game, like style game where uh, you have this deck of ingredients <clears throat> and ingredients are things like dairy, meat, fruits, vegetables, and you shuffle that deck of ingredients up. And then everyone has a recipe card of different recipes that are worth different points. And so the players are trying to split up these ingredients and collect ingredients and use those ingredients uh, for recipes. 
and uh, you play a number of rounds and trying to, you know, just get the most points, the recipes, but everyone kind of had similar recipes. So mm. it was, that was like the, the last game before 10 gallon tank that once we took that out and changed the mechanics a little bit, we, uh, 10 gallon tank, uh, kind of came out of that. Was it, and when you, was it kind of like quite, do you have to get into the mindset where you're willing to throw things away? Were you willing to actually say, no, look, we can either keep going at this and it's not going to work, or we can make a decision now and we can draw kind of like a line under it and decide that it's not, it's not going to work. And, and, and who, who's likely to do that? Is that yourself, Travis? Are you likely the person to step in and say, look, I hate to break it to you, but we have to move on from this design. Otherwise we're not going to get anywhere. I was going to say, I think one thing that Dave and I both share is that we aren't afraid of critical feedback. Um, mm. And I, I tend to play uh, devil's advocate a lot about, well, why would you do this? Why would we do this? You know, just, mm -hmm. I need you to tell me like why and explain to me so it makes sense. And it, you know, it, it would make sense from like a marketing standpoint type of thing. Um, but we, you know, one, one of the things I think that was a really good uh, turning point for us was we actually got in contact with a, a game developer, a professional game developer, so of course we think we're game developers and we, you know, our, our mom and dad love the game and our brother and sister love the game and our friends yeah. love the game. Um, <clears throat> but we, we, you know, we got with a professional developer and he really gave us some good feedback um, of, you know, the, you know, I like this game, but I think you're going to have issues producing it or, Hey, this game really just ends up, uh, you know, being the same type of thing turn after turn after turn. There's not a unique experience here. So I think that, um, that was probably one of the, the points where we learned a lot and saying that, okay, we need to have a professional developer, uh, you know, give us an opinion or do a lot more blind play testing or, or that sort of thing. So, I mean, I think I tend to play devil's advocate more than not, but both Dave and I look at things and are not afraid of critical feedback or just canning a game for now. We've canned a couple games mm -hmm. um, to start this game. And is this, a, is this like, um, is this something that you are looking to aim to kind of be doing full-time? Is that the kind of the longer game plan? Full-time? Uh, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's a really tough thing. Um, Jamie Stegmaier obviously does it very successfully, but he's probably one of the only ones. Um, so we both have um, really good jobs and, but we both have a passion for gaming. And as I mentioned before, you know, wanting to own a business. So I think, you know, obviously the goal would be to quit your job one day and do this full time. I think at least for now, we don't want to make just one game and be done. We do want yeah. to continue build the brand and and be able to produce games because that's what we enjoy doing. Um, but uh, neither of us would consider it a failure if we can't quit our, our, our normal day jobs. Right. And to kind of go into that also too, I would say like, I would love to, you know, quit my day job <clears throat> and do like game design <clears throat> and publishing full time. That would be a blast. I would consider that like a pipe dream, but I really don't have that as an expectation. Like I know how difficult that is. We consume a lot of podcasts and blogs and, you know, talking to other folks in the industry. So we know that that's a very difficult thing to do. And I just don't have that expectation. Uh, our, you know, our expectations are just kind of much milder than that. We hope to publish some games and have fun with it. And if, you know, the revenue from one game helps kind of support the production of another game, that would be awesome. If we can get to that point to where the games are just kind of like funding themselves and we get to be there for the ride and experience and uh, to enjoy that. But yeah, it's just not the expectation to do it full time. But not to and, say that we wouldn't like that. Well, yeah, but then, I mean, I guess on the other side of it is if you <laughs> look at it this way, if you're the type of person that's willing to get off your butt and take a risk and not even take a risk, but actually get off and actually start doing something, nine times out of ten, that kind of mindset is the same type of person that's usually doing kind of okay in their job job. Absolutely. Because if you're the type of person that is kind of like saying, well, I'm just willing to go go ahead and do that, or I'm willing to take a different way, or I'm being creative with this, or I'm just, me I am putting the hours in just to get this stuff done. Then, and again, it's the type of people that I kind of speak to again and again and again. 
it's generally people who are quite willing to take a risk and do something. And I don't mean that in a financial risk or anything. It's just actually willing to put something out there, have other people look at it and say, oh, this is great or this is this is bad. You've just wasted five minutes of my life. I'm never going to get back by looking <laughs> at this. Um, and the thing is, so I see a lot of people who are kind of like, well, I'd like to give up my day job, but I'm actually, <laughs> I, really endo- I really enjoy my job. <laughs> or I found that I'm quite good at my job because you know I'm having to organize my time so I can spend eight hours a week actually working on this thing which means I have to have a certain kind of drive behind it and that it's um it's also it's um it's a bit of an age and a status thing as you get as you get older then you're going to end up with bigger commitments (laughs) you know, you're going to end up with whether a family, whether it be kind of other little humans that depend on you or whether it's going to be, here's a lot of animals that depend on me or here's a big family that kind of depends on me. And as you get older, the ability for me to, you know, if this was like, say, 15 years ago and if I wanted to go full-time into podcasting, I could probably have done it maybe 15, 20 years ago. But now it's uh, it would take an awful lot <laughs> Right. to kind of make it work and kind of kind of make it doing um with you guys with you um being involved in the design side of things and then obviously the money and the organization side of things what was it like kind of stepping into the marketing side of things for you say travis what was what was that like kind of doing that well, one thing we, we kind of identified early was that we needed a, a social media presence. Um, and so that was probably the the biggest and best thing we could have done. So we started a Twitter account a while ago. So we've actually had Winsmith Games for three years. Um, and mm. this is the first time we're actually on Kickstarter. So we've had a couple of cycles of develop a game, get good feedback. And then, at, you know, at one, one point we got to uh, this, is, this game's too big to produce for our first game, you know, nobody knows us. Um, it's hard to get somebody to pay 60 bucks for a game. They know nothing about you. Um, so that's, so that's part of, that's the learning, um, the, the journey of learning of what works and what doesn't. Um, and then, but yeah, so we, we built a, a nice following on Twitter. Um, and we consume a lot of, you know, other podcasts, read a lot of articles. Um, so I think, you know, there were still a lot of risks with the first project, but, um, one of the reasons we chose 10 gallon tank was because it is just a card game. It's mm. something that um, we think will appeal to a lot of people. So we don't have to necessarily market it just to a, a very niche market. Uh, and then, you know, it's something that quick that a lot of different game groups can pick up and something that we think we can produce without um, major risks of failure or delays or anything like that. So a lot of it was trying to find a game that we think we could market and then using, you know, Twitter and, podcast like this one um to just talk and get our name out there and and sort of interact with the community and and give back to the community as well that's put me under a lot of pressure (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you for that not at all but has it been have you been surprised by the amount of kind of i guess additional work you've had to do just to get the kind of the name kind of out there yeah i mean it's a lot of work um you know, hours of interacting on, on Twitter and, and Dave does a lot of that stuff as well too. And then we, we've more recently started increasing the number of conventions that we go to and wherever we go, we try and either, you know, if it's a Gen Con, um, we do the first exposure play test hall. So we will demo our game and then we'll go and play other people's games and just mm-hmm. kind of interact with those people. And we created a mailing list. And so we at least have a, a core group of people, um, to market it to, but yes, it's been very hard. Um, we've had, like so much support from family, friends, coworkers, both of us um, are fortunate in our, in our day jobs to be able to kind of create like a board game group. So we do it over lunch um, and yeah. to be able to connect with those people and get our name out there, that's really helped. And so then hopefully that sort of snowballs and people see it and then they jump on, they jump on the, the bandwagon as well. And then that helps, you know, build our, our brand and our presence. Hey, um, how, how kind of useful has the additional kind of the board game community out there that are doing the same things design wise for yourself? I mean, David, have you latched onto that at all? Have you been speaking to other people in the same situation of yourself that are maybe bringing their first or their second game to Kickstarter? 
Absolutely. That's as Trav mentioned, we did kind of start Winsmith games a, a little bit more than three years ago now. And at that point, we decided, all right, let's get really involved with Twitter. Let's really kind of dig into the community some. And that way, just over time, we'll reach out to people. We can help support others. And we'll kind of also digest a lot of like wisdom and experience uh, from the industry and from talking with folks. So yes, we've done a lot of, we've done Unpub like four years, Gen Con four years. Uh, recently, I've started going to PAX Unplugged now for two years in a row. We have local conventions. Um, I interact, we interact online on Twitter all the time. So um, yes, we've we've backed a lot of other Kickstarters. We make sure we're trying to like, see, hey, what games are these folks doing? This is their first Kickstarter. What are they doing well? And then also, you know, what are the things that we think we, you know, want to learn from from their experience? What, what do we want to do different? What do we like what, what we see them doing? And so it's been a really good experience. And um, yeah, we're fortunate that we've, we kind of had that mindset, you know, years ago to really put a lot of effort into the into trying to be a part of the community so that they've really been uh, generous and supportive of us when we do our first Kickstarter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, let's talk about the game because we're about half an hour in and we still haven't talked about the game. <laughs> um, I, David, you have two minutes to pitch to me what 10 gallon tank is all about all right so 10 gallon tank is a family weight split and choose card game it plays two to five players in about 15 minutes and what the game is about all the players are these hobby aquarists and you are trying to have the most aesthetically pleasing aquarium so depending on the player count, there'll be a number of rounds and certain cards based on the player count will also go into the deck and there are different types of fish in the game. And every round there are three phases. The phases are just kind of laying out this initial grid of fish, the first school. Mm -hmm. And in most player counts, it's a four by four grid. The next phase, starting with the active player, all players are going to go around and divide this large school of fish into increasingly smaller groups. And then once everyone has kind of divided, you know, this large group into different smaller groups, starting again with the active player, they're going to pick a group and add it to their hand. And then the next player is going to pick a group and everyone's going to pick, uh, pick a group and add them to their hand. And so it's this um, split and choose card game with set collection and drafting mechanics. The different types of fish give you points in different ways. Like the angelfish gives you nine points for every set of three. The Grammy gives you a lot of points, but he kills other fish because they're really aggressive. The neon tetras will score you a lot of points if you have a lot, but like their score really starts to go up the more you have. So that's kind of, that's 10 gallon tank. Was that right, Travis? Anything you want to pick him up on at all? Anything you think he missed out on? Actually, that was that was the best two minute pitch he's done yet. So I, I, I can't. <laughs> so <clears throat> I think he hit pretty much everything. I think we need to. Well, I'm going to send you this audio, and then you can just like put it on Facebook and stuff. <laughs> I think that would be the best way. I think that would be the best. There you go, Dave. You did well. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back. You did a good job. I was expecting him to come in and just, you know. Say I'm gonna get you back for all these times you made me play R2D2 in the trash can. <laughs> here we here we go. You're about to you're about you're about to get it. Um has it been has it been easy to get the media people to take a look at it, Travis? Yeah, I mean it's actually been I've been just really surprised that again, part of it is doing a lot of that legwork and and com, uh, contributing to the community discussion a lot through Twitter and interacting with folks, meeting folks at Unpub and other game designers. And, um, but I've, I've really been just so appreciative of how easy it's been to 
reach out to folks on Twitter and say, Hey, I know you have this blog. I know you have this podcast. Would you mind if we, you know, just sat and talked about our game? What ca- or do you have a topic that you'd like to, you know, you've been burning th- on your list to do that we could help <laughs> with about being a first time designer or, you know, tips and tricks for Kickstarter. Um, so it's been really, um, I feel like the gaming, uh, community is a really unique community um it's one of those ones where you know you don't see a lot of cutthroat oh i heard about this game i'm going to steal it i mean people are very like defensive of you know of everybody gets their own piece of of the pie type of thing where you know people are very supportive of other people's designs whether or not it's something that they would play they understand that um not everybody likes every type of game but everybody should enjoy games if that makes sense so i've been really really uh, impressed and and humbled by how how much good um feedback and uh you know warmth and and welcoming we've received i think you don't know what the next big thing to catch fire is going to be as well that's part of it too i'm sure mm-hmm. you know i think that um i think the reason that um the reason that everybody seems to kind of gather around everybody and kind of help and I don't think there's <clears throat> I see it sometimes in some groups which you'll get some people say oh, I'm just looking to help to do this and and they go oh well, you should read this blog or you should read that blog and see you later kind of thing but there are some people who are like I don't know who <laughs> Jamie Stegmeier is and I don't know who James Matthew was and there'll be people who are genuinely entering the you know the hobby at that level and says you know um, I'm not looking for somebody to tell me what I should have done I'm looking for somebody to tell me what I should do just now and and the thing with Kickstarter is as it's very very difficult to to look at it. and I can't even look at a game nowadays and I've spoken to like lots of people doing Kickstarter but I can't still look at a game and say, right, that's going to just take off like a rocket. Cause I'm always, it's always, I'm always surprised by the ones that do really, really well. Um, and I'm also always surprised by the ones I'm thinking, Oh, I, I'm really st- struggling and see why that, why that kind of didn't fund. And they all seem to kind of, but it's interesting to see kind of people pitching together just in case, <laughs> you know, cause it kind of success kind of, kind of, kind of builds, kind of success um i mean what about kind of tips i mean if you were if you were going back setting the way back machine to like three years ago um and you were doing a back to the future thing i guess my first question would be um out of the two of you who would be doc brown who would be marty mcfly and i'll let david answer that question <laughs> Uh, I know what Travis's answer would be, and I'd actually probably agree with him. I'd be the doctor. Um, <laughs> I'm the crazy, wacky, silly, goofy, off the wall, not always head on straight kind of person uh, who's more uh, just off the cuff. Uh, is that right, Travis? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm definitely the more <laughs> deliberate thinker. Um, and there's strengths with that and there's weaknesses with that. And that's why I think Dave actually balances me out a lot. Dave will come up with ideas that I wouldn't think of. And then if I say, ah, I don't know if I like that idea, Dave might challenge me on it and say, well, I think this is a good idea to do. So I think it really actually balances well. But yeah, I would I would agree with your assessment. You're the doctor. <laughs> there you go. I was, I was thinking thinking back, we should have maybe gone the Bill and Ted route instead, but then you might just hang up on me. Um, <laughs> uh, but if you could go back to yourselves and if you could give your past selves one bit of advice, and it probably wouldn't be, um, you know, um, you know, watch out for the robots. But what one bit of advice would you future selves give past selves three years in the past so that future selves knew what to do when you were making the game? David. Ah, three years ago or four years ago. The first thing I did and the first really big mistake I did, and it wasn't like a financial mistake or anything that really was terrible, but I would spend hours like digging through like Google images, trying to find the perfect perfect picture for one single card of a prototype because I just wanted it to look like it came straight out of like a published game from like Fantasy Flight or something. And oh my goodness, I spent 10s, 20, 30, 100 hours on perfecting a prototype that next week was garbage. 
okay, so don't don't sweat the details. Yeah, get it to the table. Like that's that's my advice now to always new designers. I've I've been asked a handful of times, like if you had to pick like three pieces of advice or what's your top, you know, advice, I'd say get it to the table, test it out. There are going to be parts of it that are garbage and there are going to be parts of it that you'll be like, oh man, that, okay, that's kind of fun, you know? So find the fun in your game, get it to the table and don't sweat the details. Right, Travis. There's no pressure. I mean, that was really good advice. So all I'm saying is, you know, um, this better be good advice as well. Otherwise I might cut it out. I'm just no pressure. So I would say, and one thing we learned, we actually kind of learned it relatively early on, maybe after the first year or so where we were just storming back and forth of how are we going to do this? What, what are we going to do? Which game are we going to do? Um, I mentioned it before was to get a, a game developer. I wouldn't say you have to have it for every project, but find somebody who you, maybe if you heard about them on podcasts or something you could reach out to because you can fall into a trap of you liking your game and your best friend liking your game and your family liking your game. But all those people are invested in your success. You need to find somebody who is not invested, who who would like to see you succeed, especially if they work with you, but who is not invested in your success. If you fall off a cliff tomorrow, they won't really care. Um, but who can provide you some really good feedback? And that's really what um, killed our first game, uh, and we that we had. And he was just like, you know, this game is just. It, it, it derives down to the same types of things. There's no unique experiences in this game. I know you think the game is unique because you've never seen this game before, mm-hmm. but it boils down to the same exact mechanics, turn after turn after turn. And oh, by the way, you have a lot of compli- uh, complicated pieces and stuff that you're not going to be able to produce cheaply. Um, and so I, I would say getting a game developer would be, for at least for your first couple projects, so you know which questions to ask yourself um, that was invaluable to us. Right. And, and actually to, to speak on that, to kind of pat ourselves on the back too, is that we had to choose to do that. Like we both thought the game was good, but we made the conscious decision of like, all right, we can't just get a professional developer, just look at our game for free and give us, you know, spend, you know, a few hours of his time to, you know, give us thoughtful feedback. We had to pay for it. And so like, that's another advice that we give to people is like, if you really want to take this seriously, one, you need to know your own limitations. And so pay, you know, a little bit of, it was, a, it wasn't that big of a financial thing. I didn't dip into my, you know, retirement fund, but I did, you know, we did put some money into like hiring someone to, to kind of validate. And in this case, they didn't validate our game was good. They gave us, you know, the feedback we needed to hear, but that was really invaluable for us. Have you um, have you been surprised by the amount of money you've maybe had to invest into the game to get it where it is? I mean, Kickstarter being traditionally years ago about being an idea. Are you are you have you had to put in more money than you thought you were going to put in? I'm going to ask Travis that because obviously he's the money man. Yeah, and, and I would say uh, more money than we thought. I mean, we've kind of kept up with um, with what it generally takes, but the bar on Kickstarter is so high because the market is becoming saturated with a lot of games. Um, so if you don't have a professional looking video and professional graphics and professional and, and really good finished art, you're going to be at a severe disadvantage. Um, and so understanding that again, neither. And one thing that's nice about having a partnership is that Dave and I both didn't have to take on the full financial hit ourselves. And we're also, um, this is a passion and and it's starting, it's a hobby that we're hopefully going to turn into something more, but this was, this is almost like taking money to a casino. If we lose it, it's, it's, you know, it's gone. It's, it's not something that we need for to pay any bills. Um, so we were both okay understanding that we were going to have to, you know, bring money to the table in hopes that maybe our first Kickstarter campaign, we don't even make any money, but building a, having a successful project and building a brand was really important to us because again, it's not something that we want to do just one time and be done with it. And we actually talked a lot about, should we just pitch our games to publishers? Um, which would really just be Dave pitching his game to publishers. But, um, and we just decided, no, that doesn't really scratch the itch of, owning a business and being successful. So 
we we both went into it knowing we were going to have to put some money into it. That's fair enough. And speaking of putting money into it, how much money do you have to put into it in order to pledge? Uh, the, so the base game um, is $15 plus shipping based on your region. So hopefully a nice entry uh, entry level, you know, pledge level. Um, we also have a pledge level uh, that is, we've actually partnered with Board Game Booster Box and Tabletop Tycoon. Um, so if you want to buy one and donate a copy, um, you, we have a tier for that. That'll be donated to Toys for Tots after the campaign. Um, and then we have uh, a couple of different add-ons, like some just some sleeves that you can add on that have... Um, some of the game art on it, but the base pledge is 15 bucks. That's nothing. Thank you. Can you say that louder and repeat it? That's <laughs> absolutely nothing. <laughs> that is like, I know it is actually money and $15 is, you know, is a lot of money, but considering where Kickstarter is, right? Okay. Kickstarter, Kickstarter's here. Okay. Your pledge is over here <laughs> somewhere. It's kind of like going, hi, you can either get us or you can get like a take a takeaway meal, you know? <laughs> you could skip going to Wendy's. I heard their food's not very good anyway. Or you can take home a lovely aquarium game. See, that's kind of where it is. That's what I'm kind of thinking. That's kind of like, ah, I'm just going to do that, isn't it? kind of thing I, I, I'm just that's where we want to be I'm just going to jump in. I just want some fish the fish are nice let's have some fish you always wanted an aquarium didn't you Martha yeah I did <laughs> kind of thing um, you know so there you go that sounds pretty cool I like that that is incredible I'm quite surprised I was expecting 45 oh no I'll, I'll be honest I wasn't expecting that at all because obviously <laughs> I do I do vast amounts of research before I get people on the show so I was just acting surprised I'm just doing my <laughs> my good act my good acting thing. Maybe yeah. if we have the deluxe miniatures edition, there'll be that. But <laughs> just you know, there'll be somebody out there that's currently trying to figure out how much it's going to cost to send live fish to people. <laughs> that was a tier we had talked about. That would be the, the biggest tier. We'll send you a live fish somehow. Or you get, I don't know if you've got these in the States. Do you remember the fortune telling fish? Fortune? Mm-hmm. Uh, does it ring the bell? Fortune telling fish, which I'm you're gonna have to look this up, but it was like basically it used to get them in like crackers, Christmas crackers at Christmas time. You don't know what a Christmas cracker is, you pull it and it makes a bang and you get a little toy in it. No, no, I have seen those. I know you have seen those, right? But sometimes, like over here, you used to get like a fortune telling fish, and it was basically it was a (laughs) it was a fish. Made out of cellophane. Look at Google it. You have to Google it now. I'm Googling it right fortune, now. Wow. This fortune telling definitely... fish. And it was a cellophane. It was a piece of cellophane that was in the shape of like a fish. And depending on how the fish curled up, <laughs> it told you if like your fortune. Oh, that's wow. so cool. Moving yeah. head, jealousy, moving tail, indifference, moving <laughs> head and tail, in love. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's crazy. That's a stretch goal for you. <laughs> we'll send you a fortune-telling fish. That's We'll send you a fortune-telling fish. That's a stretch goal. I'll tell you what, if we well, let's put that at 100,000 stretch goal. If we get to 100,000, everybody will get a fortune-telling fish. I think you could put it a lot cheaper than that. I think if you get <laughs> round about, say, um, let's see, I, you know, that's a 22,000 stretch goal. <laughs> All right. I'm looking at where you are. You're, you're, in fact, you know, I would say 17. UV spotlighting on the game you know it's fine it looks shiny but it's going to be on a shelf covered with other game boxes I mean is anybody actually going to look at a UV spotting Um, I think 17 is a nice place for the fortune telling fish (laughs) you know and do you know what my um, my uncle he uh, owns a fortune telling fish factory so I can I can do it you can get us a deal I can get I I can get you I can get I mean he he has a, a sales rep um, in the states, and um, uh, you know the states isn't that big, and he can be over and he can be running some figures with you, um, you know, sometime. Let's look at it that way. Um, if <laughs> if people, I don't know where I went with that. Um, probably to the hospital. Um, if people have listened along tonight and they want to 
find you guys on the internet webs. Where can we find you on the internet webs, Dave? We are at the website, winsmithgames.com. Mm-hmm. And there uh, you can, right now it's just a landing page where you can sign up for our newsletter. We do send a newsletter just the first week of every month, once a month. Okay. Anywhere else, Travis? Um, and then definitely if you want to talk to us at all, we, we can, we're very open um, uh, on Twitter at Winsmith Games. So we are very active on Twitter and um, would love to interact with more people. Um, so anybody who has a question about the game or anything like that. And then um, <clears throat> obviously if you go to Kickstarter, um, you can find us in our 10 gallon tank or we have a link on the website as well. If you want to actually check out the campaign. And we'll put the links in the show notes so that we've got notes to show as well. Great. That's, that's just what we will do. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we are up to and on the internet webs, go to the internet webs and search for We Are Not Wizards and you'll find us in all the different worn out places in faces in cases and you can find us on all you know we've got our blog and we've got our twitter and we've got our instagram we've got our facebook and we've got you can find us in all the podcast catchers of choice and things like spotify because we're amazing if you like what you've listened to tonight go to apple podcasts and consider giving us a rating or review if you are going to be giving us a rating or review do not give us 10 stars because it makes us big headed don't give us one because it makes us cry give us something in the middle like a five because we've been doing this almost four years now so it'd be nice for a couple more people to give us a five because we are just a little bit average but the people who have not been average I give you the he's lean he's serene and he can go through a tank like nobody's business it's Mr. Travis Winstead Thank you, Travis. And you. Uh, and he's never, ever going to clog up your filter. I give you Mr. David Smith. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Richard. Um, there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, gentlemen? Absolutely nope. not. Absolutely not. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Travis. Say goodbye, Travis. Sayonara. See you on the uh, on the interwebs. <laughs> and it's a goodbye from David. Say goodbye, David. Goodbye. <laughs> and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. Make something awful. And uh, you know, just get yourself a ten-gallon tank. Just you know, just do it. And uh, but until the next time. What'd you call a fish with no eyes? A fish. <laughs> <laughs>